0: It is the Halloween episode. That's why the uh, font looks a little spooky there, if you haven't noticed already. Um, you see it right there. It's That's the font for today. You know what? What's better than the font is a rallying Big Rat 310 here with us for episode 258. I know you're a little under the weather, but besides that, are you feeling okay? Yeah, I mean, battling a pretty nasty
1: which seems like a viral illness right now. But, uh, yeah, other than that, I'm doing all right. I'm excited to talk
0: some ball. As we watch a team last week who also lost because of their own demise, which was poetic justice for me to see. But I know, like, we're on two different ends of the spectrum when it comes to the NFL football from last weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but thankfully, I can, because it was a non-conference game, I can kind of get over it a little bit easier than normal. The Bills loss definitely hurt more. Uh, But yeah, good on you guys. And thank you. You guys helped us out by by giving them a loss in the division.
0: You know what? It just, it's like, I'm like, I look at it right now where I have the motto of expect to lose, hope to win. And that's what we did. So the only thing I have to say about this game really is Buffalo, I feel like has to kill them if they don't. That's where I think some serious red flags, because if Tampa covers here, I think it just, it looks like, oh, hey, Buffalo, you haven't covered in four games yeah it's tricky it's tricky
1: this this one's tricky because i'm just curious like the buffalo bills defense is obviously like not as good as they used to be without milano daquan jones and trey white uh and we've probably talked about on the show before but daquan jones was like leading the nfl in pressure rate from d tackles before he got hurt that was a massive massive loss And the Bills' defense of old, in this spot, Baker Mayfield on a short week, would, like, sack him five times and force two turnovers. Is this Bills' defense capable of doing that? I I do not know. So that should make it interesting.
0: Because also for the Bills, too, after this game, it's Bengals, Broncos, Jets, and Eagles, which is not necessarily easy, except for, I would say, one of those games.
1: Yeah, and the the Bengals game is on Sunday Night Football in Cincinnati. It's, like, it's a pretty tough spot.
0: It's also gonna have a lot of emotion behind it for obvious reasons. Yeah,
1: same building where the the Hamlin thing happened.
0: Exactly, but you know what's better? Oh, wait, what were you no, gonna no, say? No, no, continue. Um, no, the one thing I was gonna say is, you know what's better than Thursday night football is a whole like we have a full slate. The NFL is so weird with their scheduling. Like how last week six teams were on a buy, this week no one's on a buy. Yeah, it's very strange. I'm guessing
1: the only reason I could think of why they did that is maybe they want more games available most weeks. So maybe the new format is instead of four teams going on by every week, it's more like six teams will go on by one week. None will go on by the next week. So we can kind of like limit the amount of teams that are unavailable at the same time as often as possible.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I, I agree with you there. Um, First game we have Sunday though, Pittsburgh and Jacksonville. I'm not going to hold any strings back. When I see a plus next to the Pittsburgh Steelers, you can, you feed that to me it yeah
1: they're at home it's the Tomlin spot 16 and 9 straight up as an underdog at home which is just an absurd stat like you'd be lucky to it'd be great if he was he won if he was 500 as an underdog at home like outright to be 16 and 9 is just ridiculous I will however say that this Pittsburgh team is starting to get on my nerves a little bit I feel like they've gotten a little lucky this season. They're they That Rams game, Brett Maher missed two field goals and an extra point. Seven points he missed in a game that was
0: – Got cut.
1: Got cut. The Obviously a bad call by the officials in giving the Steelers the ball at the end of that game on the QB sneak. And while I don't think Stafford would have gone down and scored a touchdown, I do think Stafford could have gone down and scored a field goal if they had a competent field goal kicker who could have made the earlier field goals in the game. I do feel like that would have been within the realm of possibility. Uh, or at least overtime. Who knows? So, yeah, I think I think that uh, this Pittsburgh team has gotten pretty lucky. They were lucky to beat the Ravens. They were lucky to beat the Browns. Although it, it was, you know, Mike Tomlin at home. That's what they do. They win the games ugly. They have the crazy T.J. Watt strip sack or the T.J. Watt interception in their own territory like they did with the Browns and the Rams wins. So, definitely, I'm well aware Pittsburgh voodoo magic is strong. It would not surprise me at all if Pittsburgh wins this game. I am going to take Jacksonville, and I know it is mm-hmm. It is certainly close. I do not have a lot of confidence in this pick, and I know I'm going against the trend. I will just say that I think this Jaguars team, going into New Orleans on a short week and kind of like significantly outplaying them, I know the game was close. Foster Moreau dropped the game-time touchdown, I understand. But nonetheless, like the fact that they did that on a short week, the Saints defense hadn't allowed, hadn't allowed an opening drive touchdown in like 18 games. And the Jaguars went right down the field with the ball first and scored a touchdown right away. It was just like a very tough, resilient, like we're for real performance. I think their loss to the Texans, you know, it's a division game. Weird things happen. We talk about that all the time on the show. And the Texans are better than people thought they were at the time. So I don't think that loss looks nearly as bad. And losing to the Chiefs, I mean, that's the best record in the NFL. Like there's nothing wrong with that either. I think this Jaguars team is starting to remind me of the Joe Burrow Bengals, I'm starting to get that kind of vibe where like the quarterback ascends into the elite tier. They start becoming a complete team, and the Bengals in 2020 and 20 not not 2020 in 2021 and 2022. Yes, the Bengals were like insane against the spread, like 70 percent against the spread or something like that, because they had risen to be one of the elite teams in the NFL, and the markets hadn't really like caught on to that, and it was kind of happening slowly, and. I think the Jaguars, like the Bengals did in 2021, where they were, now granted, the Steelers were favored, so it's not the same. But the Bengals went into Pittsburgh and won in Pittsburgh in 2021. And I kind of, I think that's going to happen here. I think Jacksonville goes in and wins, shows that they are like one of the elite teams in the NFL. And then, yes, the very next time Tomlin is a home underdog, I will absolutely be all over them as well. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just sticking to the trend, but for Jacksonville, I completely agree with you. This is a game where they really have this chance to show the NFL world, hey, we're here and we're legit because look at look at the games too. I'm also picking Pittsburgh just because I feel like this is a schedule loss, kind of like what we saw to Detroit. I'm not saying Pittsburgh's going to whoop them. I'm just saying this is like a game where it's kind of like, you know what, hey, you're kind of brought back down to earth before you really catapult yourself forward because with Jacksonville as well, I know they haven't looked good, but you've got San Francisco. I the bet. Again, my words mixed up. You have San Francisco coming up next. So it's just, this is a game where if it's like, hey, they dropped this one, but then I can see them getting like an upset win against the 49ers because we have no idea what's going on there.
1: Yeah, and look, certainly like, I mean, the Ravens are the number one team by DVOA. Randy, shout out to Randy. They are the number one team by DVOA in the NFL right now is the Baltimore Ravens, and they lost in Pittsburgh. So certainly anyone is capable of losing in Pittsburgh.
0: It's a simple expression of any given Sunday. But obviously, folks, as you guys know, Big Rat and I didn't record in the last time the home game was in Buffalo. Why? Because Daniel Jones didn't end up playing. So we don't record if Danny Dimes ain't in primetime. Danny Dimes was with a neck injury in primetime. But his Giants, we don't know if he's going to play yet, are playing the Jets. I'm going to say this right now because the Jets have truly been one of the surprise teams of the year. I know Danny's just creaming his jeans hearing that expression right now. But with this game for the Jets, this is a true chance to show the world, like, like what Detroit did against Carolina or what they did against the Falcons, where it's like, hey, you're playing an inferior opponent. There's a lot on the line considering bragging rights within the city of New York and the fact that they came off a big win against Philly. So for the Jets, I look at this as a huge chance to really, like, state your claim because when it comes down to this game, look, I know both offenses, like, they have their ups, ebbs, and flows, but Brees Hall's been a freaking monster this year, even though we were wrong on that take, and which I know Danny's smiling ear-to-ear hearing. And the fact, too, with that with the defenses, when it comes down to, hey, which defense do I trust to shut down the other offense more? I'm going Jets 10 times out of 10 in this matchup.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think this is a coin flip. I, this is kind of a fun atmosphere. I wish we had more of this in football. Like, <clears throat> both teams in New York, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. going to be a packed 50-50 stadium of both fans. Like, it's going to be, like, cool to see, like, both teams – playing in what is claimed as their mutual home stadium. It's like you only see that in high school. You don't even really see it in college football. So I, I think this no. is really cool. I'm really excited for that dynamic. And I know – I sound like such a nerd. I know they play this game every four years. But still, like it's, it's cool to have the game uh, go on. So I, uh, I remember people before the season started, one of the re- arguments they gave for liking the Jets' win total is that AFC teams have nine home games this year um, compared to – eight on the road, which was reversed last year. So AFC teams have nine home games this year. And this is technically a Giants home game. The Giants are the home team yes. in this game. Yeah. So technically the Jets got ten home games this year. Which is, you know, like very, very, very wild and unexpected. Uh but nonetheless I I really like I really like uh both teams in this spot I think can win. I, I have a hard time picking this one. The Giants have been playing better. They should have beat Buffalo. They did beat the Commanders. I do think Tyrod Taylor is better than Daniel Jones as of now. That could change. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, look, how he's playing is not better than how Daniel Jones played last year. But is it better than what Daniel no. Jones was doing this season? Yes. And Jared Silverclite, friend of the show, a big-time Giants fan, uh, he believes this too. And he, me and him both, like only me and him, a Giants and a Dolphins fan, would recognize this. When Tyrod came into that Dolphins game at the very end of the fourth quarter, like, you could kind of start to see it. Like, everyone can go back and watch that tape from, like, eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Daniel, the Dolphins defense got seven sacks that game, and they sacked Tyrod plenty. But there were just a few plays where Tyrod was escaping pressure better than Daniel Jones did, where he was making the difficult throw with a guy in his face better than Daniel Jones did. He conf- he converted a lot of key third downs. I, it was only, like, a few drives, but even then I kind of started noticing, oh, wow, like, I think Tyrod's really going to help this team. And then. Certainly, you know, against the bills and against the commanders, it it, it is kind of like pride Prime Tyrod and Buffalo in the sense of they're not scoring a lot, but like the offense looks like they're getting first downs, like they're constantly moving the ball. they're almost they're rarely punting. You know, obviously, against the bills, yeah, they felt on the bills. they got stopped on downs on the one yard line twice. So that should have been at least like fifteen, sixteen points. And uh, for that reason, I, I think the Giants or the Jets could win this game. I have a hard time picking it. Uh, I'll go with the home team.
0: Yeah, I, I'm like in the same <laughs> boat where it's a battle of both teams. It's just when it comes down to this game, it's which defense do I buy more stock into, and that's the New York Jets defense. That's all. Like it's you, the, you didn't who do you? My joke. Part of me. You didn't appreciate my joke. I said I'll take the home team. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Went over my head. I was on – I just did another podcast appearance before this, so I'm kind of like <laughs> – not enough. like you running on fumes, but just like the overall, like, whew, Oh, As, as everyone
1: knows out there, the best thing you can do about a joke is retelling it, delayed after the fact. That obviously, like, maximizes the impact of the humor.
0: And we also the name of the podcast title for this show is saying I want the home team to win, uh, which people kind of listen to about the 1222 mark to figure out, hey, why do we get to this point? Um the next game on our docket is Carolina versus Houston. If you, I'm going to say this right now, if you're feeling very risky for survival, oh, take yeah. the Houston Texans. I suffered my first strike last week. I took a major risk and it backfired. I took the Saints because I thought, hey, you know what, like I feel like there's was a schedule loss for Jacksonville last week. Um I was out it's a horrible kick by Tampa. Um basically, I looked at that where it's like, ooh, now I have a strike. So basically, the last few weeks, I've been kind of all over the place. But I've been doing pretty well. But that's the thing I'll say right now. It's not my survival pick of the week just because there's one team in mind I have. And they're, I'll tell you who it is later on because they play in the 4 o'clock window. But I'm going to also call this game One Thing Only. This is a CJ Stroud revenge game. Go into Carolina and show them, hey, you could have taken me, but you didn't.
1: The... The reporting around this decision really fascinates me because obviously I've told people before, I've compared this to kind of Tua and Herbert. I am Mm -hmm. not saying it's going to end up the same way because I I was lower on Bryce Young than I was on Tua. I did still like Bryce, but I was really concerned by the size. Bryce Young is, we talked about this on the show, he's like much smaller than Tua was coming out. Tua was like 6'0", 6'1", 200 pounds. Bryce is like 5'10", 180 like it, it is a significant difference, they are not the same size. If you they, they after the Dolphins Panthers game, they hugged on the field, you can just see like Tua's just a lot bigger than them. Like, they're not I remember big. that. So, all the criticisms people gave of Tua being undersized coming out, the comp to Bryce is not exactly one to one because Bryce is even smaller than Tua is. However, it does remind me of the Tua and Herbert discussion back in the day. One of the things that frustrated me about it was this is not a finished story, like, we no. don't decide these guys' careers based on seven games. If you did that in 2021, you would have thought that Mac Jones was better than Trevor Lawrence. Oh god, if did, yes. If if you did that <clears throat> if you did that in uh, 2022, then well, actually no, 2022 is kind of a weird example because the draft class was kind of wonky. But if even if you did that in, let's say, I don't know, 2018. Yeah, 2018, yes, you would have said Baker Mayfield is better than Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Like these guys' careers are not decided based on how they do in their rookie season or the first six games of the season. And I love Stroud. You won't meet a bigger Stroud guy than me. I have a dynasty league where we draft college players. Mm -hmm. And I got C.J. Stroud on my team back in 2021 before he even won the starting job. And there were a lot of people at the time. It's forgotten now. There were a lot of people at the time that thought he would get benched at Ohio State for Kyle McCord or for Quinn Ewers when Quinn Ewers was coming in. And Stroud ended up keeping the job. He ended up being the best quarterback on that team. And obviously he's had a good career so far. So I'm a big, big Stroud guy. But I think it would be foolish to just completely decide that the race is over between them. Much like it was very stupid to say with certainty that Herbert was better than Tua back then forever. Because now it's kind of questionable again. And it was, people thought it wasn't back then. And here we are a few years later and it's a debate again. So things change quickly in the NFL. Uh, as far as the game, I like your pick. I don't have a good read on it. It's kind of tr- rookie quarterback versus rookie quarterback games are very tricky because they can turn it over at any time. Yeah. So kind of don't really know what to do with this. Uh, I know Stroud, Stroud has obviously been better. Both teams are up, coming off a buy in this game, which is kind of interesting. Like you rarely see that Yeah. both teams are off a buy at the same time, both rookie quarterbacks who really could benefit from a buy. Uh, I, I don't have a good read either way. I, I, I can lean towards the Texans, I guess, but I, I, I could, I could absolutely see the Panthers getting their first win of the season here. But it, it's close. It's close.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a weird spot. I just think it's the same thing, too, with, like, the, these teams. I'm just, like, I'm looking at Houston, and especially Stroud from that whole standpoint of, hey, you can go show the world, hey, for the, like, you know, the regular NFL fan. Because I basically put the NFL fans in a few categories where there's the people that, like, just watch the Super Bowl, but they're not even fans. They just, like, hey, they watch the one game a year, and they're there for halftime. Then you get the fans that like they like they know stuff, but then they like like they watch like every week, but they're not like dialed in. Then there are, and this is my podcast, don't say it, then there are the sick fucks like you and me who talk about this stuff 365. So from that standpoint, I'm saying it because like we know the whole stuff. And also to that weird, like wunderlich test, and especially too with the reports that Frank Reich wanted CJ Stroud. Yeah. It was David Tepper who picked Bryce Young.
1: Yeah, and that's never you know, in general, in football, it's like it's never good when the owner gets involved in the quarterback decision. And mm-hmm. there, were, there were those reports that Josh McCown and Frank Reich really loved Stroud. They told Stroud, we'll find a court in Charlotte to play pickup together. Uh, yeah, like it's, it's, it's not ideal. But again, Bryce Young's career is not over. Bryce Young has no help on that team. Like Adam Thielen is being asked to play like it's 2017 again because they truly just don't have anyone else. Like it is, it is not fair. Like, and I said this before the season that I, I didn't think their offense was. It was not possible for their offense to play well because of Adam Thielen, Hayden Hurst, and DJ Chark being their top receiving options. So I, it's it's just too early. It's just too early.
0: Exactly. But moving on to a game, not too early. It's our matchup, buddy. We're the one o'clock window this time. All right. Let's I have it. one question for you. Are you worried about the chance of Miami overlooking this game because of what lies ahead across the pond in Germany next Sunday morning? Yeah, you know, I've heard this from a
1: few people. Uh, I would say no. I, I would say it was possible for that to be true. But I think a few things have changed. So, so for those who don't know, here, here's the: if you want to know what a sandwich spot or a trap game is in football, it kind of meets this definition. Last yep. week was the Eagles game, a hyped-up game on primetime. There's this Patriots game. Then they go to the Chiefs in Germany. And then they have their bye.
0: So, like... And truly, then like, What? And then Vegas, and then I believe the Black Friday game,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. Then Vegas, and then the Black Friday game. So, in theory, you would think, okay, they'll devote less energy to the Patriots game because the other games take a lot more priority. But I would say, <clears throat> because of the bye week, because of the bye week, I am not sure that they, like... I think they can kind of focus for this game because they don't have, like, a bunch of other games coming up with that bye week in between. I would also say that I think that the Patriots winning last week certainly raises their attention profile to the Finns of, you know, they just beat the Bills who the Dolphins got crushed by. So I, I think that also makes it, like, a reason to not overlook them. The Jalen Ramsey is coming back.
0: Yes, yeah, I saw that today.
1: This is his return. And quite obviously, I think that is going to be a very – very big deal. I think that is going to get a lot of attention, a lot of fanfare, and I think everyone's going to be hyped up. Also, like, this is a little inside baseball, but the defensive starters are going to get announced uh, for this game. The Dol- I don't know how other teams do it. The Dolphins alternate which side of the ball gets announced. Uh, Patriots usually do the-
0: offense, I think. Patriots only do offense? They usually, usually. I think, it's, I think it varies, but this is, you're talking to a guy who's only been to one game at Gillette Stadium, so I'm not too sure. Okay, fair enough. Well, the
1: Dolphins alternate between offense and defense every week. And uh, they're purposefully, they are purposefully—they purposely like, lined up the schedule so that they can announce the defense on Sunday. So they're going to announce Jalen Ramsey. It's going to get a massive ovation. Everyone's going to be juiced up. And I think there's going to be some energy for this game, especially defensively. For it being Jalen Ramsey's return, I think the defensive guys, I don't think they're thinking about Patrick Mahomes. I think they're going to get fired up for this one for that reason. And I think McDaniel realizes, too, that last week created a very big opportunity for the Dolphins with the Bills losing a game that the Dolphins had already won. The Bills lost at New England. The Dolphins already won at New England. So that is not a game that the Bills can make up. For example, they lost to the Jets. If we also lose at the Jets, then that kind of makes up for that Bills loss. And it becomes equal for both teams. They can't make this one up because it's a team we already won in the same circumstance. Mm-hmm. So the only way the Bills can make it up back is if we lose this game, and then the Bills beat you guys in Buffalo. Then it becomes even again. And for that reason, I think that the McDaniel kind of realizes if we want to keep the stranglehold on the division, this is a very important game. Because the, key, the reason why that loss to New England for Buffalo was so big last week was that it was a division game. So I'm willing to say it. It, it sounds crazy. Like, in some ways, it's better for them long term to win this game than to win the cheese game. Because – it is so important to not have any other losses in the division this year if they want to win that division. Like beating the Chiefs and getting tiebreaker is great, but if you don't win the AFC East, that doesn't matter. You'll never have tiebreaker with them in the first place. It'll be Buffalo.
0: You know, because ultimately the end of the, the end goal for everyone is to have a playoff game at home. That's the ultimate end goal and end game for every other team. So I completely agree with your reasoning as someone who's been in the shoe, been in those shoes for a very, very long time. Obviously, I'm not now. Um Look, well, I'll, talk, I'll ask you in a minute about the offensive health because, look, Tyreek Hill appeared in the injury report and so Jalen Waddle because I know he had the weird back injury against Philly. Yeah. New England, I'm going to say this right now. I know there are some Patriot fans that are in the whole boat of, like, playoffs are back on or, oh, they can do this and this. I look at this game from the perspective of being at a casino and the Patriots basically had little to no money left and they just won big on blackjack and roulette and now they're kind of walking around with more money, than they walked in with. It's like walking in with 50 bucks and you're up to four or $500 at the casino. So winning this week is just them more or less playing with house money. Kind of like, you know, hey, they got nothing to lose. They're two and five. If they go to three and five somehow, I'll say this right now, their next five games are extremely winnable. It's the Commanders. It's the Colts game, which is in Germany the following week. The bye week, then at the Giants, then Chargers, who look really wonky at the moment and then the Steelers game before they play week 15 at home to Patrick Holmes on Monday Night Football ensuring that for the fourth straight year that the Patriots are going to lose the week of my birthday because that's just how life goes. Um so if they do win this game I'm not saying they're going to go they're not going to run that 5 and 0 table but if they win Sunday go to 3 and 5 and then go 3 and 2 down the stretch. You're 6 and 7 in the middle of Christmas which isn't terrible but it basically means that hey there are these games that are win up, like some games that are like up for grabs because their season so far has gone like this. Because you and I haven't spoken, we spoke last for Dallas. So they had the two games where I was like, okay, it is what it is. And they beat the Jets. Then they got ship pumped by the Cowboys. Then they had a nervous breakdown against the Saints. I still don't know how to God that happened. And then they lost to Vegas and then they beat Buffalo. So this is either a peak moment in the season where it's like, hey, they got a lucky win, or it's a moment of turning things around. Ultimately, though, I am going to go Miami just because they are coming off the bad loss to Philadelphia, where, look, Philadelphia was coming off a bad loss themselves, so it's just like the circle of life or cycle of life repeating itself. And also, to the fact that Mac Jones is 0-5 against the spread against the Miami Dolphins as well. Fun fact of the day. I think there is a chance that they keep this game close, but ultimately, I'm going to say Miami is going to win this game. Like, let's throw a little fun score out there. 21-13 to the, uh, for the Dolphins. Wow. Conveniently, that fits very
1: nicely in this little range of nine and a half. Uh-huh. Mm, I, look, yeah. I, see, I see what you did there, uh, Mr. Griff. So, yes. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. I do think the Dolphins take care of business. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if the game is closer. The Dolphins,
0: <clears throat>
1: so also one thing I forgot to say in my little rant about why we'll take the game seriously. The Dolphins are wearing their throwbacks for this game. I did but, see that too.
0: Patriots yeah. have only won their white uniforms
1: once this entire season. And the Dolphins usually, you know, this was more so like in the in the days when like the team was like super mediocre and they needed anything to get the fans excited. And so by default, it would just be the throwback jerseys, and they would play really well in the throwback jerseys. But I still, I still do kind of believe in it as like a thing. So I do think that should also help. And I think uh, it, oh, keep going. Uh, yeah. So I just do do still think it can help. Um, here's some Dolphin stats for you, Chua. Mm-hmm. Is 16 and 4 against the spread at home. Period. And up. He's 17 and 3 straight up. They never, ever, ever lose games at home with Tua unless he gets hurt. Like, unless it's like the Bills game in 2021, where he broke his ribs and left the game in the first quarter and didn't come back. Or the Packers game on Christmas Day last year, where he got concussed in the middle of the second quarter and then threw three interceptions. Like, and then didn't come back the rest of the year. Like, I I I think. When Tua doesn't get hurt, they basically, like, don't lose at home. Yeah. And I think it's very underpriced in the market because they're also 16-4 and four against the spread. So a lot of these games, I think people are not pricing in their home field advantage. And they're kind of thinking, oh, no one goes to Miami games. If they don't have a big crowd atmosphere, they don't really have a home field advantage. The numbers don't lie. They have a great home field advantage when Tua is playing. And so I think that hasn't been accounted for by the market. So as a result – Unless – like, can I see Tua, like, having a bad game and throwing a few picks and we squeak out of there with a six-point win? Like, kind of – the example would be, like, the Steelers on Sunday Night Football last year. Uh, Yeah, I can absolutely see something like that against the Patriots, division opponent, the rematch, all that stuff. Um, But, you know, anything beyond that where it just kind of, like, leads to them – like, anything more serious than that, like, losing the game outright, I I don't know. I I have a hard – Hard time seeing it. Uh, though the one thing that might help the Patriots is that the Dolphins, the Dolphins have been very, very careful with injuries. Like, they don't they don't bring anybody back if they're not ready. They held out Connor Williams and Xavier Howard against the Eagles when both were apparently, like, borderline good to go. Contrast that to the Eagles, who Darius Slade played, Jalen Carter played, Lane Jaylen Johnson Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Like, every, yeah, sure, Reed Blankenship didn't play, but every other, like, big player they have that was on the injury report played. And the Dolphins sat all those guys out because they realized even though it's a big game on Sunday Night Football, this is still an NFC non-conference game. This won't impact the division race as much as the Patriots and Chiefs game will. So they were kind of saving guys. And I think for that reason, they might save guys again. I think that would be a mistake in a division game, but they might. They might. Like, Connor Williams might not play again. Xavier Howard might not play again. So What about the receivers? Uh, yeah, so I think Tyreek's coming back. Uh, Tyreek basically said today he's good to go. Uh, Waddle, the Waddle thing's been weird. Like he basically didn't play in the preseason. He was kind of hurt the entire training camp. He's been hurt the whole season, really. Like those back spasms didn't just start then. They were going on earlier in the year too. He also had like a core muscle injury in September that was bothering him. Jalen Waddle is on pace for like 700 receiving yards this year. Like 750. Like I see people constantly say, Tua has Tyreek and Waddle. Anyone can do that. Waddle's not playing that well. Like, Waddle hasn't had, like, an explosive game yet this season. And, I I mean, he's a great player. Like, I'm sure it's coming. It wouldn't surprise me if we see it this Sunday. If they sell out to stop Tyreek Hill and Waddle finally has the 4 for 120 in a touchdown game. Uh, But I think they're both going to play.
0: And a revenge game for him, too, considering he did get concussed against the New England Patriots back in Week 2 as well off the uh, Marte-Mapu hit to the head.
1: Yes, very much so. And uh, I think think it should be fun. I'm expecting... I'm expecting the Dolphins to win this game by 10 points or less, whether they cover it by winning by 10 or they win by seven. I think it's going to be really, really close. So
0: I think we'll this see. is kind of the game for New England where it's like last time, but you get, take, you get rid of the like whole 17 to three kind of thing. I think it's going to be more of like a, a puncher's fight, but ultimately Miami gets oh. that last like knockout shot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. And uh, I think, I think Moster is not going to play as well as he did in that first game. I think, Patriots are going to wise up to that. And I don't think they're going to let Raheem Mostert rush for like 150 yards. So.
0: Their run defense the last few weeks, minus Dallas and New Orleans for obvious reasons, has looked really good. They Josh Jacobs wasn't as effective against the Patriots. And then last week, I know James Cook had a touchdown, but they weren't all that special. But um Yeah. But anyway, that's our game. Moving on to the next one. Tennessee and Atlanta. I'm going to say this right now. Atlanta has burned me the last two weeks. Week six, take them on the money line against Washington. They lose. Last week, pick the Bucs against them at home. The Falcons win. This week, it's a uniform bet. I know Ryan Tannehill not playing. But you really going to tell me that Mike Vrabel is a home underdog after getting... Is red jacket with the Patriots in those Houston Oilers throwbacks is losing? No, 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 no. And also, too, Arthur Smith deserves it after being a jackass to the media over his comments about B. John Robinson's headache. <laughs> yeah, I'm with
1: you on this one. I, I actually did pick the Falcons last week. I kind of, like, held out hope. And it was it was as much, like, a fade of the box as it was a bet on the Falcons, so I can't take too much credit. But I, I do think that – uh, <clears throat> uh uh, what call uh, The this week with the Titans, I do think agree with you that the Titans can win this one. It's not even that I'm a big Will Levis guy. He might not even play that well, but it's just that with that defense, I think they're gonna they're really good at stopping the run. That's obviously big against Atlanta. I which think
0: quarterback which which quarterback's gonna fuck up more?
1: And, and yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Levis sure can Levis implode and throw picks. Absolutely. What if Levis like just isn't asked to do much? What if he can comp- only throws the ball like 15 times, and they just rely on Derrick Henry and Tajay Spears. So that's kind of the path for how I can see Levis keeping, the ga- keeping them in the game, even though he himself may be not playing well. A good comparison would probably be to his debut, which was week eight of the 2020 the season. Against the Rams. He was coming off a bye. He had less than 100 passing yards, and the Dolphins dominated. It wasn't even close uh, because the defense was that good. And the defense forced a lot of turnovers. Got a defensive touchdown, got a special teams return. You can see something, some wacky stuff like that, I think you could see uh, in this game. So I I like the Titans to get off the Schneid. Kind of a must win game for them at two and four. They really can't lose this one. They're coming off a bye. I think the Falcons are a 50 50 team. They're going to alternate wins and losses all year. They just won. So now fade them.
0: Yep. Exactly, exactly. That's it. And also too, I feel like with T- Tennessee, if this truly is the last game of like their core together, you know, guys like Derrick Henry are probably going to show out, you know, like a D hop. I think he finally has a game because he hasn't really done that much this year. So I like two of those players to do well, but it's kind of that thing where it's just, Hey, we'll go in there. Don't screw up and we're going to get a win. I think that's pretty much the moral of the message for this coming week in, uh, in Nashville and those nice little throwback uniforms. Um rivalry game alert Green Bay versus Minnesota. I am sorry. I I'm, I'm out on Jordan Love. He's just like the last 2 weeks has done like he threw identical game losing interceptions and also as well you made the Broncos look somewhat compatible which look I don't know how you do that. So I got to go with the Vikings here in this game. I think Monday night was a true page turner for them where it's like hey Minnesota's not as bad as we think it's just some of the some of these big games aren't gonna go their way but they found one to go their way
1: yeah I I am gonna disagree mm. uh, yeah it's weird. it's interesting we've done a we've had a few games that were actually kind of split on today the Jacksonville game uh, this game and there was another one but I forgot New England oh. and
0: Miami of course
1: oh and the well, yeah but that was on the spread that's different than yeah. on the winner uh, Oh, yeah. I think Houston Carolina yeah, I mean, I, I do kind of like Houston. I, I just don't think it's as much of a lock. as. I mean, not that you said it was a lock. You know what I mean. Like, I'm not as yeah. strong on it as you are. So, uh, yeah, I'm on the Packers here. Uh, they will make my Fab Five this week. For those listening, my Fab Five, as of now, is Packers, Jaguars. Uh, I, I I do like the Titans. I haven't decided yet on them. I'm, I'm, they're in the back First of my mind. First two are the opposite of me. Uh, For two of the three, yes. Uh, Just for two of the three, though. Uh, So, I mean, we got more games to go. I I think, <clears throat> I think this is kind of the bottom of the market for the Packers. Like this is it's for, for the exact reasons you said. It's like they haven't looked good. They lost to the Raiders and the Broncos in back-to-back weeks. Everyone wants to fade them. Like this is kind of the bottom of their market. They still did beat the Saints. They still came very close to beating the Falcons. They beat the shit out of the Bears. So mm-hmm. they have some some like good things in their resume, um, excluding kind of the last few weeks. So. I'm, uh I'm uh, – for that reason, I'm kind of more optimistic that they can do something good in a division – this is a division game against a division opponent in Green Bay, kind of the Packers season, kind of a must-win spot. I, I do worry about Jordan Love against this Brian Flores defense because the success I've had with betting Minnesota this year is that you can usually trust a Brian Flores defense to beat up on a bad quarterback. Like that's – like them against the Panthers was a good bet. Not for that reason, because Bryce is bad at this point in his career. That doesn't mean he's going to be bad forever. Again, i going to when myself. Similarly, <clears throat> when the Vikings played the Bears, I, I came very close to taking the Vikings in Survivor that week, but I ultimately decided not to. But I was very, very close because I thought this is a bad quarterback, a bad offense, and I think Brian Flores can really shut them down. And they, the Bears' offense was struggling before Fields got hurt. I mean, even before Fields got hurt. So I don't think that's – That's the reason why the game went the way it did. Uh, I think the Vikings, you're kind of catching two teams at their opposite value right now. the Vikings, Yeah, because the Vikings are at the top of their market. They just beat the Niners, who everyone thought was the best team in the league, you know, on Monday Night Football in front of a national audience. So they're at the peak of their market, and the Packers are at the bottom of their market because they lost to the Broncos, who everyone hates. So for that reason, I'm just going to take the Packers, not even for really good football logic, just on the basis of it's a division game. Anything can happen. One team's at their high, the other team's at their low. And I think this is where the tables turn and the Packers get a very important win at home. Uh, They need this game. They need this game badly. So I'm going to take Green Bay.
0: I also saw the total for this game is currently at 41 and a half. I kind of like the the over for that. I don't know what it is. I agree with you you on that. Yeah, because,
1: well, Aaron Jones, I guess this is one of the reasons I defend the Packers. Aaron Jones still hasn't really played. Like, he didn't play for a lot of the season early on. Then, on top of that, he comes back. They have their bye week, right? He comes back uh, last week against the Broncos, right? He only played Mm -hmm. 11 snaps. So he didn't really play. We still – the last time Aaron Jones was really integrated and playing a lot for this Packers team was week one, and he looked great. And that was when the Packers looked great. So I'm holding out hope that Aaron Jones will play more than 11 snaps this week, and he'll actually start to kind of get back to who he was. and he's. Probably their best player, so I do think that makes a big difference. Their best
0: player on offense, at least. Two things before we move on to this game one, my fiance was brave enough to pick the Minnesota Vikings in survival week six.
1: Oh, wow, respect!
0: Yeah, the uh, she also took Denver week four against Chicago. Wow, fading the Bears basically. And then we took the um, and then her and I took the Broncos in week five. Uh, no, we picked the Jets week five, excuse me. Um uh, yeah, I, I can see this game going either way just because I look at the spread too. Remember week one as well. I was so on the Packers because they were plus money and I was like, they're plus money to the Bears. I'm like, the Bears aren't that good. And it kind of came to fruition. Um, Dallas versus the LA Rams. I'm not making any qualms about this. Cowboys. I think the loss to the Niners really is going to be a turning point in their season to where it's not what we thought they were, but it's uh hey... They learned from this, considering how they won against the Chargers. And now this week you're playing a Rams team that I think is not as good as they were getting out of the gates. I know they had a bit of a hot start, but I think this is a true game for Dallas to show the world, hey, we belong in that upper echelon talk of the NFC.
1: Yeah, the Rams, I, I was telling this to my brother last week. They're probably the... Oh, uh, they're, they're a tricky probably, book. They're probably the team that I, that I have the hardest time understanding. And for that reason, for that reason, for that reason, I think the Rams, I think the Rams, uh, they're confusing to me. Like, I never yeah. know when they're good. I never know when they're bad. I don't know how to read them. And, and for that reason, I really struggle to pick their games. It's like, I, I just don't know. Is this team going to go 5-12 and 12 again like they did last year? Is this team going to go 9-8 and, and make the playoffs? I
0: have no clue. It's kinda like McDonald's French fries. It's like, am I gonna get hot fries? Am I gonna get room temperature? Or am I gonna get the bottom of the barrel that suck? You know? It's like that. You never know. Some weeks you get the crispy golden fries that are perfectly salted, and some weeks you get things that are not even edible because that's how much salt they are on them. That's it's like kind of like that. Yeah, I think
1: that the Rams I think that the, the 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 Rams will will probably like end up doing well, but it's gonna it's gonna take some time. And for that reason, I mean, in this game, I think the Cowboys are going to win. The spread, I, I, I just have no idea. Like, I have no idea what it's going to look like. I have no idea if they're going to win by 3 or by 6 or by 10 or by 15 or lose. I just – I think they're going to win. But I, I just have a really hard time picking this one.
0: I could see this game being similar to last week where it's close, but then the Cowboys kind of just pull away and, like, I don't know, 27 to 17. Let's say that score. You Know that's how that's how I read it. We, I think we lost big rap for a second, but 20 27 to 17
1: sounds good, my bad. Yes,
0: um, Washington, Philly. Uh, I'm gonna keep this short and sweet. You don't take big favorites as yep. divisional games, so for that reason, give me the Eagles to win, but give me the, uh, the commanders to cover the plus seven. Yeah, this is this is just standard operating procedure, like even. I, I, even this season we've how many
1: times have we seen the favorite in the division game on the road lose the ravens lost to the steelers the browns lost to the steelers obviously the bills last week as eight and a half point favorites lost to the ah, lost to the uh lost to the patriots so look it would not shock me at all if philly wins or even if philly covers i'm saying as a general rule this is just what you do you take the home division dog by over a touchdown it's just That's just how it is in the NFL. You take it, it'll be right more often than not. And even if it doesn't hit this week, we'll take it again the next time. So simple as that.
0: This is the play. A thousand percent. Um, Colts and Saints, this game is another tricky, tricky one to read for me. Because you have two teams that are kind of at the same crossroads where, like, the Saints, I I don't know how to read them. Where, like, last week they looked terrible and then they just – something clicked and it's like – hey, we know how to use Derek Carr, so we're going to use Derek Carr. And then with the Colts, look, they got hosed, plain and simple. But I think this can be a very exciting game this week. I think that's how this game is going to go. Um, But at the end of the day, I think I want to go with the Colts because the Saints, I don't know if the 34-0 win against New England was kind of a a peak in the season or if it was – like, you know, a, hey, a once in a, once in a season kind of win, you know? Yeah, it's, this is,
1: this is tricky yeah. for me. The Saints, I actually do feel like up to now, I've actually they're the opposite of the Rams for me. I feel like I've read them mm-hmm. pretty well. I thought they were a little overrated. I like the Falcons more in the division. I thought they were closer to the Bucks than the media made it seem. The Saints, by the way, a little betting trivia, since we like to talk mm-hmm. about it a lot on here. They are the worst team against the spread in the NFL. They are one six and one. I don't, Oh wait, that doesn't make sense. They're one five and one against the spread in the NFL. They pushed against Carolina on Monday Night Football. They covered against your Patriots. Obviously, they did not cover every nope. other game. Literally every other game they didn't cover. They didn't cover against Jacksonville. They didn't cover against the Spucks. They didn't cover. Uh, who who's in between the Patriots and Jacksonville? Houston. It was a team they lost to. Houston. That's right. That's right. So this is the worst against the spread team in the NFL. Now, you can kind of look at that both ways. Was this team overrated at the start of the season? Yes. Yes. However, these numbers, these numbers tend to reverse to the mean over time. The market does a better job of pricing them accurately with the exception of <coughs> the Tom Brady Bucks mm-hmm. last year who, who were 4-12 and 1 against the spread because they just could not stop overrating Tom Brady and so they just couldn't like, couldn't, like, get it in their heads that the team wasn't that good anymore. And because of that, the Bucks went 4-12-1 against the spread. So, I think most of the time, spreads tend to reverse to the mean. And if the Saints cover the spread, that typically means – that kind of means the Saints are going to win this game. Uh, Shane Steichen, I think, has done a good job. They have a really good offense, despite the fact that Garner Minshew has basically been the starter of the Our entire year. Anthony Richardson. And, of course. He's looked course, really good team this team year, though, on a serious
0: note. No. He's, he's
1: played really well this year. Yes. And now, like what they're getting now that they didn't get last year, is that Josh Downs on the other side is making a lot of plays. Like a lot people out there who like don't follow the NFL as closely as we do, and maybe don't watch a lot of Colts games. Josh Downs is playing really, really well. He had a five for one twenty-five and a touchdown last week. He had ninety-seven yards against the Titans a few weeks before that. He's got four hundred receiving yards on the season already. That is more than Jalen Waddle. Everyone, Josh Downs is currently outplaying Jalen Waddle. Round pick out of North Carolina. He's, he's, he's a really good player, and I think him and Pittman make for an exciting combo. And Shane Steichen's just a really good coach. Like that, they're a great example of a team that looks well coached. They look like they maximize what they have, uh, given their limitations at quarterback and given their limitations like uh, on the defense. Like they really look like they maximize what they have. So I, 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 it's hard. I feel like a Shane Steichen team versus a Dennis Allen team, the Shane Steichen team should win and should cover. But I also think the Saints are not going to keep. Not covering, so I, 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 it's close, it's close. I'm gonna very, very narrowly, just a gut feeling, gonna take the Saints. But I, I mean, I, this is the game I'm probably least sure of all of them this weekend. There's a reason to spread it same. So
0: this, this though, screams. It's like it's a get right for both, but ultimately, I think it's more of a get right game for the Saints. And I'm also gonna say this now. In two weeks, that Patriot Colt game in Germany is gonna be very, very low scoring. So just heads up yep. for that one. We take uh, you take European unders. Um, but this game, it, it, I think it can go either way. But the ultimate thing with this is, um, how do the Saints look offensively? Because look, they had some off-field troubles this week, and with the Chris Olave stuff, and Michael Thomas, he's looked good, but he hasn't looked like back to even when he was in twenty eighteen. I know everyone like say, "Oh, Michael Thomas is like oh this and this," but it's just like Michael Thomas had a season for the ages back in twenty nineteen. So we'll ultimately wait and see. I think. I think we're going to get a game sooner than later, though, where the Saints' offense just explodes. Because if you look at their next opponent after the Colts, because they've played three straight weeks now against the uh, AFC South. um, Or, yeah, three straight weeks against the AFC South. Their next opponent is the Chicago Bears, and it's kind of that perfect punching bag as well. So I feel like if they don't get back on track this week, it'll definitely be next week against the Bears.
1: Yeah, the Saints, there's a lot of teams in the NFC like this. Like, it's pretty much the entire NFC South because they all play each other and they play the AFC South. Yeah. So as a result, the games like look really, really, really winnable on their schedule. But the problem is the Saints are also a winnable opponent for those teams. Yes. So that's like – like you kind of like – I don't want to read it out loud to everyone because I, I think it's like really, really crazy. Here's the rest of the Saints' schedule, eight games after this Colts game. The yes. Bears, <clears throat> at the Vikings, at the Falcons – the Lions, okay, that's tough. The Panthers, the Giants, the Rams, the Bucks, and the Falcons again. That is one good team for sure in the Lions. The rest could all be below 500, all of them. So it is it is there for the Saints if they can get it together. But Derek Carr is not playing well. They don't look like a very well-coached team. Dennis Allen is like the worst coach in the NFL against the spread. And again, won five and one 5-1 this year. Uh, so I think the Saints can win this game. I think they can beat the Bears. I think they're just going to – they're going to be disappointing versus some of those other teams. I think that they're going to, like, give one of those teams their best day, uh, kind of like how they gave Jacksonville their best day.
0: Um, as Josh Allen throws an interception to Levante David, and I feel like we're close to another Stefan Diggs tablet meltdown um, – Look, I have to rub it in the skin of Buffalo Bills, and I get to do it next week, Greg. Shout, that's a little side preview of what's to come for next week's episodes, everyone. But with the Saints, they're going to have a game down the line that they're going to just – nothing's going to go right. They're going to be miserable, kind of like what happened in that game they played against the Buccaneers where they lost 26-9. to But then they're going to have a game probably – it could be, I could see it being that Vikings one where all just goes right again. You know, kind of like how they played against the Patriots, where look, you get a pick six, you're just dominating from start to finish. So they're gonna be the Saints are gonna be the team. Do you remember the hail the Fail Mary game from 2012? Yeah, do you of remember course. the Michael Silver photo afterwards of him looking at Aaron Rodgers, like shrugging his shoulders? I don't know if you can see me, where he's just like, What the fuck? That's pretty much the Saints this yeah. year, where it's kind of like they have one game where it's like, oh, my God, look at them. And then they have one game where they're just like, what are you? It's like – actually, I'll say a better metaphor. Instead of saying the will the real Slim Shady please stand up, it's will the real will the real New Orleans Saints please stand up. You know?
1: Yeah. I, and I, the problem is teams like that where you're kind of confused by them, you don't really know what they are, that kind of feels this way about the Rams too. You kind of just end the season where you started. Yeah. It's like you you go eight and nine. You're inconsistent every week, and we still don't really know how good you are, which you know usually means you're probably not gonna make the playoffs. Or if you do, you're gonna get beaten in the playoffs pretty early.
0: Kind of like what happened to the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben's last season in 2021. Yeah,
1: that's a good example, and I feel and like that's like the best case scenario because they like they at least won nine games. Like it could it could be even it could be like Brady last year, except not get a home playoff game out
0: of it. <laughs> Or like the tw- or like the New England Patriots last year, you know, where there's just a lot of inconsistencies that later on in December, you're playing desperation must-win playoff games at the beginning of the month, and that by the end of the month, you've done too, too much to yourself where you can't recoup fully. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Four o'clock window. I'm sorry. Those Seattle uniforms are so nice. I can't fade them. Shout out Alex. Edge is the best. I am not fading the Seattle Seahawks in their retros. I am not doing it. I know Cleveland has looked good, but this also, to me, screams as well schedule loss for the Cleveland Browns. Because if you look at the last few weeks, look, they got, they had the pass interference go their way and they had the Jake Moody missed kick. So this just, this, and also too, I'm going to say this. I think the Seattle Seahawks are a legit good team. I'm not saying that they're a legit team to like where they're going to go to the Super Bowl, but I think the Seattle Seahawks are a team that's going to be very competitive and probably will make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, they seem like they're gonna win nine games, or maybe even ten games, and make the playoffs. They seem like the classic like wild card playoff yeah. team. Like they're probably not gonna win the division. They're probably going to make the playoffs, and we just know like exactly who they are. So, <clears throat> I, I, am I, I'm, I'm with you on this one. Uh, you see, we don't, we don't disagree on no. every game. Uh, I'm, I'm also on the fucking uh, the Seahawks. Don't know why, them. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> It's like my brain was like struggling to get the word out, so it just like threw in a curse word. (laughs) I'm on the Seahawks here, too. I I just can't see them consistently winning with P.J. Walker. And trust me, I am the king of saying on the show over and over again, it's not about the quarterback. It's not always about the quarterback. Quarterbacks are overrated. But P.J. Walker, I don't think, is as good as Gardner Minshew. And I know the Browns offense looked good last week. But a lot of P.J. Walker's underlying metrics are really bad. He's, like, really, really bad against – really, really bad against pressure. He has, like, a – I think he's the lowest PFF-graded quarterback when not blitzed in the NFL, which is pretty crazy. Uh, So I just – I cannot see them consistently winning games with P.J. Walker. I I just don't think he's that good of a backup to have that sort of consistent success. So I think the Hawks are going to win. I'm unsure on the spread because the defense is good – and it is kind of unpredictable to see, like, you know, how many stops they're going to get in this game. Can, they, can, can the Browns backdoor it? Obviously. Uh, but I, I'm definitely on the Seahawks this game. I think it's going to be a good atmosphere. Uh, I think the Browns are going to lose. And then there's going to be a lot of talk about Deshaun Watson. Uh, this Deshaun Watson thing has been very weird. He was – he told Stefan Stefanski said he was medically cleared when they played the Ravens. Yeah. DTR, that morning, the morning of the Ravens game, Uh, He said he wasn't good to play. And it was, like, his opinion based on his evaluation of his arm. And DTR had to start. DTR did not get the first team reps in practice that week. DTR genuinely did not expect to play. So, and it sucked, by the way. Like, sucks for DTR, man. Like, he might not get another start. And that's the tape that people have on him because of that circumstance. That's pretty shitty. That's really not good for his career. So, Watson then says it's a shoulder injury. Okay. He, skip, he happens to skip the next game, which was just, oh, you know, the hardest game on the Browns' schedule against probably the best defense they'll play all year in San yep. Francisco, but fine. He conveniently skips that. Comes back for the Colts game, throws two picks, gets put in concussion protocol, clears concussion protocol, but does not come back to the game because he says his shoulder's still not right. Stefanski that day said he would play against the Seahawks the following week. And then yesterday we find out he is not playing against the Seahawks. This has been very weird. It doesn't make sense. It's been strange. And I'm not trying to accuse the guy of not wanting to play, or even I don't think it's as much not wanting to play. I think it's more not wanting to look bad. Like he doesn't want to play and throw several picks and look bad. Like he doesn't, he's fine playing against the Colts. And then he throws a couple interceptions and he changes his mind. And I think that if they're winning with PJ Walker, I think the Browns organization will kind of let this go. But if they ever start to, If they ever start to lose games or look bad, I think there'll be some internal pressure to get them back on the field.
0: I think so as well, because we all know at the end of the day that Kevin Stefanski's job is on the line as well when it comes to a game like this. Yep, absolutely. Um, On the Seattle front, though, this game also is a must-win because their schedule going forward, as I need to give Davis touchdown badly, um, goes Ravens, Commanders, but then this is where it gets tough. At the Rams, burst the 49ers on Thanksgiving. At the Cowboys, at the Niners, burst the Eagles. At the Titans, burst the Steelers. That's a pretty big gauntlet coming up for the Seattle Seahawks. So I think if you really want to stay in the conversation to where it's not going to bite you come So say if you can afford to lose like the San Francisco games or even the game to Dallas, to that where if you get this win now, it's like an insurance policy. Like, you know, like, hey, Save it for later. So I think that's another reason why they need to win this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I
1: agree with you there.
0: Yeah, it's and also do it's it's a uniform bet. It's a, it's another uniform bet, honestly. I look at those jerseys and I'm just like there. If I were to take the spread, I probably would adjust the line to minus two and a half instead of three, just to give you that little buffer room there. And and look, I know I know
1: we both agree that you know they're like the classic wildcard team, not gonna win their division, but gonna make the playoffs. I will say though, it is worth saying if they win this game, they'll be five and two. That's
0: that's like one of the best records in the NFL. You know, their defense also is playing very. Their defense has been playing pretty solid this year, and also too, offensively, Kenneth Walker the Thirds looked really good. DJ DK, Matt Calf, Tyler Lockett. and also Jackson Smith and Jake was yeah. finally starting to pick up
1: as well. He's starting to get involved. He's starting to make plays, and that, that that that's what makes them scary. Like the possibility that he could play more.
0: And shout out Jake Bobo as well. I just love the name. Um, next up on the docket is Denver and Kansas city. This is my survival pick of the week for two reasons. One, <laughs> excuse me, you're, you're <coughs> I've been talking a lot. One, Patrick Bum's against the AFC West. You just take it. The other, I feel like this is the best chance to take the chiefs considering that their next two games are the Eagles and the dolphins. So if there's, and I haven't used them yet. So if there's a spot to take the Eagle, if you have the chance to still take the Chiefs and survival, take it now. It's just with Kansas City, that plus seven scares the hell out of me. We're going to disagree again. Oh, no. I just, I, I hate picking Kansas City on the spread. They burned me two weeks ago on that fucking Butker field goal.
1: Look, and look, trust me, I sound like an idiot for fading Patrick Mahomes in an AFC West game against the team that has not beaten the Chiefs in 10 years or I guess 8 years to be exact. They have not beaten the Chiefs have the, the Broncos have not beaten the Chiefs since week 2 of the 2015 season with Peyton Manning. That was the last quarterback to beat the Chiefs. It has been 8 years of losses. Yep. Almost almost as bad as the the Jets Patriots one. Uh I still think the Jets Patriots one is worse because the Patriots are <clears throat> the Patriots are seven and zero against the Jets since Tom Brady left, which is just fucking yeah. hilarious. Like, even after Brady left, they're still seven and zero against the Jets. It's incredible. Uh, yeah. So I think that's more embarrassing than like never beating Patrick Mahomes. So more clearly understandable, but I think that I'm not. Look, I'm not saying the Broncos are going to win this game, but I am saying that I do think the Broncos will play better than they played yeah. on Thursday Night Football a couple weeks ago which was an 11-point game in Kansas City. This is in Denver, and the spread is seven. So Vegas is telling you they think it'll be a closer game than that one was. I think the Broncos last year, they last year they lost to the Chiefs by six points and by three points. They care about this game a lot. This is the Denver Broncos Super Bowl. And I know this is a Dolphins fan whenever New England comes to town. And sure, the Dolphins were probably more capable – because the Dolphins are like a 500 team, the Broncos are probably not a 500 team. So I understand it's not one to one, but I do think that Denver has a few ways that can keep this game closer. And we just said we just said it with the Eagles Commanders game. We never take the big division favorites on the road. Patrick Mahomes is probably the exception to the rule because he is 29 and three against the AFC West in his career. 29 and three—that's better than Brady. Like that's absurd. So. I understand that this could look very stupid. When it comes to Survivor, like needing to guarantee that your team will win, it's hard to get much more reliable than Patrick Mahomes against the AFC West. But it is a road division game. And road division games are tricky. Weird things happen. The Bills just lost to New England last week, which was actually a bigger spread than this game is. So Vegas actually thought Patriots beating the Bills was more unlikely than Denver winning this weekend. So the Chiefs might win. It's very possible that Broncos cover but lose a heartbreaker. can totally see that. But I expect the Broncos to put up a really good fight in this game. And I got Broncos plus six and a half in my fat five.
0: Gimme Chiefs to win, but Broncos to cover. How about that? Deal. Split the yeah. difference. Like th- uh, let's do 30 to 24. Deal. Yeah. Everyone you goes on how um this next one, I don't know how you're gonna feel about it, but it is as the ticker comes along and I have to wait for the game. Oh yes. San, San Francisco. Francisco and Cincinnati. I'm going to give you, I'm going to pick Cincinnati and I'm going to give you a couple reasons why besides the obvious with the quarterback situation. Yeah. Cause Mike Florio made a really good point about this today. How chargers chiefs last week, the chiefs had 10 days of rest. The chargers had six. You have the exact same situation this week. You have the Bengals coming off their bye week and you have the 49ers on six days of rest. This like, like I said, I'm not confident in the pick. It's just when I look at stuff like that, and when, like I said, Florio made that point today. I'm like, you've got to go with a team that's better rested, and plus two with Cincinnati. I think they really turned the corner, especially after the Jamar Chase comments with the 7-11 and stuff like that. I think, look, I don't, I don't want to call San Francisco fraudulent because I still think they are the best team in the NFC, but this is that weird schneid in the season where, look, Lose this one, go into your bye week, and then see what happens from there. But with Cincinnati, like I said, I'm I gotta lean on the team that's more rested. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, I definitely, I mean, well, like, I mean, winning
1: outright, I, I'm still kind of like figuring it out. Uh, but I do like the Bengals on the spread here, uh, so I think the Bengals will cover. I definitely think they could win. Um, I'm picking the Bengals to win this game. Uh, so we're 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 in agreement here the bengal's coming off a bye week <clears throat> that's huge you know joe burrow was not healthy so i know he was starting to play better against the cardinals it was kind of a little under discussed that in that seahawks game it still kind of looked like the joe burrow from the start of the season again like he had like two really good drives early on but the bengal's only scored 17 points he completed like no passes down the field and i believe he didn't even have like 200 passing yards like it it wasn't like every immediately yeah uh just because they won that but nonetheless you give him a bye week see that's why i don't think it it matters as much because even if he wasn't healthy back then he got a bye week so now he should be in theory the healthiest he's been the entire season so uh as a result i'm expecting the Bengals of old to show up here coming off a bye week i think the sam darnold thing is big uh not just because he's probably a downgrade from purdy but well, apparently Purdy might play. I'm, I'm skeptical. Like, ever since the Tua thing, no one comes back within one week after a concussion. Like, Jimmy G didn't come back. Uh, Waddle didn't come back. Uh, there was another example. I forget who it was. But there was, there's was. there been a few examples this year of quarterbacks not making it back from concussion. It's like standard protocol now. You miss a game when you have a concussion. So I would be surprised if Brock Purdy is the exception to that rule because it would just bring out a lot of heat to the Niners if something bad happens. Uh, so for that reason, I'm expecting Darnold to play. And I think that the uncertainty about whether Purdy is going to play or not is also going to kind of mess up the week of practice for Darnold. Yeah. It's not like you can just fully commit to Darnold getting all the first team reps because Purdy is still practicing. He practiced today. So like it's, it's going to make it hard, I think, for Darnold to integrate. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Darnold plays bad in this game, but the very next game, he plays a lot better. Like it, it that
0: that it wouldn't shock me if, that, if that's what The happened. other thing with Purdy, too, is is that San Francisco does have their bye next week as well. So I feel like this is the perfect chance. Look, don't play him, get ready. And then after the bye week, when they have that game against Jacksonville, that's when you insert Brock Purdy back into the lineup. So this week is kind of take, take it for what it is when it comes to uh, not playing yeah. him. And then, like I said, too, just because it's the rest factor, I know it doesn't mean much, too, but also look at San Francisco the last two weeks they've had to travel cross country. They went to Cleveland and then they went to Minnesota and now they're back home. It'll be interesting. It's fun. We kind of got a good
1: four o'clock slate this week. It's like, these games are juicy. You know,
0: the next one's not though, Arizona and Baltimore. I am sorry, but Arizona is regressed to the mean of what we thought they were going to be. They're still playing tough, but it's just, and also to, I feel like, and I just thought of this too. Baltimore looks really, really good. Like you said, best team in DVOA, shout out Randy. But do you think that this is a potential letdown spot for the, the Ravens? Or do you think that I'm with the Cardinals, it's regressed to the mean and that we'll probably see Kyler Murray back to form? Or even here's another example of what could happen. This could be a Patriots-Bills game from last year where all just goes right for the Cardinals and then the next day, <laughs> like five guys from the team are gone.
1: Uh, yeah, so I think that It's tricky for two reasons. The Ravens this year have actually kind of been not good as favorites. Like they've had a little chiefism to them where they are like good as underdogs, but are good as short favorites, but they're not good as big favorites. They were big favorites against the Colts. They lost outright. Not, not only not covering. So, Usually I would say take the Cardinals in this spot. They're at home. Their last two games were on the road against the Rams and the Seahawks. So they're finally coming back home. This could be like a bounce-back spot for them. But my problem is I, the only debate for me is whether or not they cover. I cannot see the Ravens losing outright. They're just playing too well. And so for that reason, it's like, sure, can the Cardinals be splucky and lose by seven? Yeah, I can see it. But that's just not enough to get me excited. That's not enough to like get the juices flowing. Yeah. So – for you know, I could see the Cardinals covering, but I think the smart play is to pick the Ravens to win outright, and probably to take the Ravens in the spread. Like it wouldn't shock me at all. If the Cardinals' offense struggles to score, so or even if the Ravens' offense doesn't play as well as they did against the Lions, they could win this game like twenty to seven, and that comes exactly,
0: exactly. Um, there are five teams that are five and two against the spread. That's the best spread record in the NFL right now. There, that is Jacksonville. That is Detroit. That is Kansas City, that is Miami, that is Big Rats, Miami Dolphins. So you have all those teams against the spread. Um, For the folks out there who don't know, there is just a big, you know what, I'm going to go full soliloquy here for a second. You get me. Hi. Hi, everybody. Griffin here for a second. Big Rat had to step out. Uh, I had to take a phone call. But the big thing with this week's Slater Games is, and also for you guys knowing the betting videos last week was my worst week of betting, but at the same time too, I didn't care because my team lost. They had been losing. As I, as I stand up and adjust myself. Why? Because this chair is not fun to sit on. And also have a microphone with a nice little stand hand. So, you know what? It's good there as, ooh, next week for Thursday Night Football, we actually get we get a pretty decent game, Titans and Steelers. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that. We'll elaborate on it as well. But you have a bunch of weird stuff. So, like, so far... If if you want to think I'm wrong on what I'm thinking about picking for this, please tell me by tomorrow because I'm going to be – I always film the video on Fridays. Um, I want to go Houston on the spread at that minus three number uh, or Tennessee on the spread and then Houston money line. And then over under, I don't know. Like I was saying earlier, I like the Steelers and – not Steelers. I like that Saints-Colts game to go over just because, look – Saints haven't scored a lot, but I feel like this could be the game where they really break out. We just, we don't know yet. Um, But the last, like week seven and week eight, both have been very, very interesting spread-wise because you get a couple of teams as we get a, let's do the dance, everyone. Let's do the dance. We get a ball start offense number something. I can't hear Scott Novak because TV's muted, but that's right there. Literally, I am staring. It is literally like four, the TV's like three feet away from me. That's why I changed this setup. I know before it used to be in my bedroom, but I changed it down to the basement so I could always watch the games live in time instead of like having the game here, having a stream there. So that's how you know it is. Um, But this week, it's just really wonky with what to go with for the spread. The other one I might do too is even instead of taking a Tennessee on spread, might adjust to that Seattle number because I like it so much. And it's like I said too, I like I want to take those teams that are wearing the throwback uniforms as picks so I can insert their throwback logos into my video. You know, it's just, it's a fun little thing to do because why the hell not? Oh, man. um, But no, like so far Buffalo too, man, I need them on the, minus, I took them at minus seven and a half in my spread pool, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. But Buffalo, you really got to win this game as an outsider because why, shit ain't not look pretty, especially if the Buccaneers win, which I would love to see because, Buffalo would just be coming back to earth. And that is it. But anyway, guys, we're going to bring Big Rat back because he is back in the room. And we are getting ready to talk some Sunday night football on NBC. Mike and Chris are the best on TV. Um, I'm going to say this quite frankly, to be honest with you, Big Rat. I like the Chargers out right here because I feel like last week was like, you know, the Bears with this like cute little story. They got their win. But this is a game that the Chargers really need.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, uh, I like the Chargers to bounce back. Here I don't though. like the spread
0: number, though, at 8.5. Yeah,
1: it's tough. Like, the Chargers... None of the two Chargers wins came by more than a touchdown. So now they're supposed to win by 8.5. I know the Bears are the Bears, and it's Tyson Bajan. But, like, I don't know. I have a hard time, like, understanding where it's going to go. So, for that reason, I kind of just... Lean towards, you know, if you want to take the Chargers in a Survivor League, I don't mind that. I know it's a little risky; you can't really trust the Chargers, but still, this is about as good of a spot as you're going to have with the Chargers. I'd be shocked, like if you don't trust the Chargers here, when are
0: you going to use them? Like even home against Denver, I would not play the Chargers. Oh God, no! So, um, the other thing I was saying while you were gone, by the way, is next on another side note, next Thursday night, I feel like we get the first good Thursday night game of the year, which is uh, Tennessee and Pittsburgh. <clears throat>
1: Uh yeah, that should be yeah. interesting. Although last year's the game was good, although we weren't sure it was. That's good what
0: I meant. Like it's like you're not sure of it, and after that we get Bears and Panthers, which yeesh. Um, but with the Chargers though, like they're like they, this is another game they have to have because you have at the Jets versus the Lions, which is not going to be a home game after what we saw the Lions fans do in Tampa. At the Packers versus the Ravens, and then at the Patriots versus the Broncos. At the Raiders versus the Bills. At the Broncos versus the Chiefs. If you lose this game for the Bears, this is going to be one that comes back to bite you in the ass come December time.
1: Yep, fully agree. I, I honestly like got nothing more to say. Yeah,
0: same. Game. I'm the same way. Um, and then Monday Night Football, the only thing I have to say about this game is Detroit Lions bounce back.
1: Yeah, I took the Lions in Survivor this week. Uh, well, I, I'll, I'll be clear. I took them in a very specific Survivor League where there's only eight people oh. left in this league. It's, yeah, it's a small pool. It's not like I, I wouldn't – in a larger pool, for sure, take risks, get ballsy, save the good teams for later in the year. This is a small pool where there's only eight people left. So it's like anyone can anyone can win the pool at any given point. So I'm trying to be a little more cautious. And they're the team of all these big favorites. They're the one I trust the most. Obviously, Eagles and Chiefs, division games. Uh, obviously, Chiefs – Well, and also, like, yes, there's reason to use the Chiefs and Survivor because Mahomes doesn't lose to the ASU West. Uh, But I've already used the Chiefs, so couldn't you do that? Uh, Ravens, it's safe. It's certainly very safe. But them being bad as big favorites has just kind of bothered me. Them losing to the Colts outright kind of bothered me. And that was at home. So a little scared about that, a little scared about the Chargers. Like, I'm expecting them to win. I even said take them in Survivor. You can trust them in Survivor like five seconds (laughs) ago. But personally, if I had to pick between the Chargers and the Lions, again, when there's only eight people left in the pool. so you know, four people have a bad week and we're down to the final four. So if if you're at maximum, if you're in a pool like mine, where you want the most security, this is the game I have the most security of the Lions versus the Raiders in Detroit. I don't care that Jimmy G's coming back. I thought this Raiders team was overrated going into last week. Anyways, they were like probably the worst three and three team in the NFL going into last week. All their all their wins have been by very, very close margins. I think on the road at Detroit, can they keep it competitive? Sure, maybe, but I don't think they're going to outright win no. the game. So come on, Lions, take me. Up. Um,
0: so mine has my survival pool is thirty-eight people. Fun fact: the Bills have knocked the most people out in weeks five and week seven. <laughs> that includes my father and my sister. Um, can I quickly run through you the teams I've taken in survival? So week okay. one, I went Commanders. Week yep. two, I did the Bills. Week three, yep. I did the Niners. Week four, I did the Jags. Against. That was the the Atlanta game in in London. Oh, nice. Uh, Week five, I did the Jets. Once again, week six, I did the Ravens in London. Week seven, I did the Saints, unfortunately. I have the Chiefs right now, but I'm looking at the Yahoo numbers. The Chiefs are only selected by 4.78% of people. And so far for Yahoo – 19% 19% of people have taken the Ravens. 35% are on the Chargers. And only 16% are on the Lions in Survival Leagues.
1: 36% on the Chargers. Uh, I don't know about that. That kind
0: of scares me. <laughs> I, I would avoid the game for Survival just because I don't trust the Chargers. But if I make it to next week, I, I, I'm going to stick with my Chiefs pick just because I haven't used them yet. And when I look at the Chiefs schedule... This is the spot I really like them in. You know? Like I feel like cuz I'm not going to take them against the Dolphins and I'm not going to take them against the Eagles.
1: Yeah, no. I feel yeah.
0: it. Yeah. But no, um but one more thing I realized too, it's kind of scary is that we're at the halfway point of the season already.
1: Yeah. It creeps up on you, man. Football season goes by in a blur. It really does. Like in an absolute
0: um what?
1: like it's weird that Next week will be, after next week, is more than half of the season.
0: It sucks. Which next week, Thursday, guys, it should be happening, but Big Rat will be back, but we're, we're, with, we're with some people. Greg Thompson, cover one, coming back. Danny will be here too. Why? Because we're going to go through and do like a mid report on all our teams and how we've done so far, plus two, we'll look ahead to week nine of the NFL season as well, so stay tuned for that. But Big Rat, before we go, a little college football talk. I said this take on Monday and I want to hear what you have to say about this. I'm out on Caleb Williams. You're out
1: on Caleb Williams.
0: I just, from like a standpoint of the hype going into the draft, I'm sure he's going to have a good career, but what I saw in that game against Utah, the big thing that stood out for me is the fact too, that like while all his teammates were standing up and everything like that, it was him just sitting down on the sidelines. He seems like that kind of guy that's going to kind of come in and you know, have the whole MJF, I'm better than you, and you know it mentality. So I'm kind of worried about that. But college football as a whole this year, I feel like there's a bunch of parity there to where you don't know who's going to be in it, even though I feel like Georgia May 3P.
1: Yeah, this is a weird year because, like, Michigan has probably looked the best, but they've played no one. No. But it's this weird thing where it's like they play no one, but they win every game by thirty points, and so it's like, well, what do I do with this? I don't, I don't know how meaningful this is. Like Georgia, Georgia looks sketchy against Auburn. It is a concern how they would play against Bama in the rematch. Uh, but obviously, they're you know the two time champs for a reason. I think picking Georgia makes sense just out of like security, just out yeah. of like, okay, I know that they don't look as good as they did the last two years, but there's no one better like Ohio State. To me, is very flawed. Like I would be shocked if Ohio State wins the national championship this year. They should have lost to Notre Dame. They did deserve to beat Penn State, but I think Penn State was a little overrated going in. And Kyle McCord just has looked really hit or miss. So I, I don't, I, I don't see them beating Michigan. And the game is in Michigan, by the way, this year. I, yes. I don't, I don't see them beating those other top teams. Kyle McCord is not CJ Stroud uh, as good as Marvin Harrison is. Uh, they just, they seem very flawed to me. Like, they seem like a team that can lose to a random Big Ten opponent on any given week. So, Georgia, Michigan, whoever wins the Pac-12, I'm still pretty big on Oregon. I think Oregon could beat uh, Washington in the rematch if they rematch in the Pac-12 title game. So, I think Oregon is a team to take seriously because they have a really good offense, but Dan Lanning is also, like, a really good defensive mind. So, yeah. you can kind of, like, reliably trust both sides of the ball. And I guess you can with Washington too to a certain degree, but I just feel like Oregon's a more balanced team. That game was in Washington. It'll be on a neutral field in the Pac-12 title game. Uh, Las think, Vegas, yeah, and I think Oregon will benefit the most in a rematch. So I'm expecting Oregon, Georgia, Michigan, and the Bama Texas, the Bama, I mean the Texas OU winner, uh, whoever wins ends up winning the Big 12 because I, I don't I don't think Texas is going to lose again in the conference. OU might, but I don't think Texas will. So. The winner, it's probably going to be Georgia, Michigan, Texas, uh, Oregon is what I'm expecting. And I would World expect Florida Georgia. State. Yeah, I'm biased. I'm a Canes fan. Uh, <laughs> so that is certainly tricky for me. Uh, I Look, they barely beat Boston College. They should have lost to Clemson. Clemson blew a 27-yard field goal to win the game. At home, 27 yards. We're not talking about 57 yards. 27 yards Clemson blew it to win the game. So they should have lost to Clemson. They should, they, they, it's not that they should have lost to BC, but they're so much better than BC that for them to only win by two points was pretty weird. So I know the LSU win looked good, but LSU has two losses already. LSU might get another one. Their defense is really, really bad. LSU still plays bad. Really so bad. Probably, yeah. So LSU is probably going to have another loss or two on the schedule. So My Hurricanes, you know, I get frustrated by them. It was an embarrassing couple of weeks there. But they had one of their biggest wins at home in a very long time against Clemson on Saturday. And that Clemson team took it to Florida State. And the game will be in Tallahassee. It won't be in Miami. But I think Miami can take it to Florida State too and at least give them a challenge. Uh, So I'm I'm expecting Florida State to get a loss, whether it's against us or whether it's in the title game. And I don't know if their strength of schedule is going to make up for that because I think the LSU win is not going to look as good as Michigan beating Ohio State, Oregon beating Washington, or Georgia beating Alabama. I think those are all going to be better wins.
0: I completely agree with you on those takes. It's just more or less. But if they do win the ACC, it's kind of like, hey – you're there, but if you have one loss, I feel like the Pac-12 will probably get in over the ACC. As weird as that sounds, just because I know the Pac-12 has been the redheaded subchild of the college football they, for years now.
1: Yeah, they have, and they they never get teams in the playoff. It's very rare. It's only, it only happened like Oregon in the Marcus Mariota year, Washington. Where they got the smoked
0: U- by Alabama.
1: Where they got smoked by Alabama with Chris Peterson as the head coach. Uh, so it, it like it very very rarely happens. It didn't happen with USC the last few years or Utah the last few years when they got close. They never get teams in the playoff. I think this year is different, though, because there's so many good teams in the Pac-12. Like, there's seven ranked teams in the Pac-12 between UCLA and Oregon State and Washington State and USC and and Oregon and Washington. And uh, certainly I missed someone in there, but I'm I'm struggling to remember who it is. And, oh, Utah. That's who it was. Yeah, Yeah, there's so many good teams in the Pac-12 that I do think the winner of the Pac-12 this year will get more respect. And I think their strength of schedule will get them in the playoff.
0: Yeah, like the ne- next year where Utah going into the Big Twelve, I feel like they're gonna be ready to compete with the best of the best in the Pac twelve, in the Big Twelve, excuse me, which I don't know who necessarily that's gonna be because obviously the two big dogs are the, the two big dogs are leaving the uh are leaving the conference. Obviously in yeah. Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. But I feel like this Saturday's game, Oregon versus Utah, is huge to determine though who's going to be in Las Vegas that first Friday in December.
1: Yeah. No, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more.
0: Well, Big Rat, I appreciate you being the trooper that you were tonight. We got this episode in the bag. I got to look it up again, but it's 2.58. I do this all the time, guys, because my memory right now is pretty much mush. But you know what? I was, as my YouTube app waits to download, uh, I was right. This has been episode number 258 of YWC Football Talk, guys. Enjoy your weeks. Patriots recap episode, McGarvin, and probably Pat. We just have to confirm a few things coming. Dave Morissuti will be back because it is CFL playoff season. And then, like I said, guys, the AFC East fireworks are coming back next week, Thursday night. Stay tuned for all of that. Enjoy your nights. In case we don't talk before then, have a safe and happy Halloween. That's why the fonts were all scary looking tonight. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters.